Good morning. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting listener-supported community radio. Stay tuned. Good morning. I'm Karen Audubonny. Today on the air with me is uh, 3rd District Supervisor John Hashchak. John, are you there? Speak up. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good. Everyone out there. Good morning. Um, John's up there in the 3rd District. He hasn't been on for a couple months, and I wanted to get him back on to talk about uh, some of the stuff that's been going on in the Board of Supervisors meetings. Uh, We haven't talked about that for a few weeks, maybe a month or so, and just wanted to kind of catch up with what's going on there. So first off, John, I know you had the opportunity. I watched the board meeting yesterday, and I know you had the opportunity to swing by, I guess, a look at the Hobbs fire and see the uh, the incredible work that was done, didn't you say, for the water protection? Did you get a chance to look at that? Right, and that whole situation, you know, Hopkins fire started, you know, in early October, and then we've got these, all the scarring and everything, the that hasn't been taken care of yet, but at last Tuesday's meeting, um, you know, it was brought up to what are we going to do about it? And amazingly enough, you know, the county, we approved the funding for it because the state would have taken a long time to get the funding to us. So we approved the funding, like $48,000 to do the proper remediation, you know, to prevent the toxics from going into the Russian River. And so, um, you know, Travis Kilmer and his team and Darcy Antle, they they just got right on it. And we got the work done with the California Conservation Corps, um, putting the straw wattles in, you know, like over a thousand feet of them along that the banks of the Russian River. And, and then the storm came this week. And so I think that we say, you know, it was county government at its best. It, re- it really was. It really was. It got done. It got done quick. And yeah. it got done under budget, I heard, too. Under budget. Under budget, yes. on time. On time, you know, yeah. And before the storm, so. It was perfect. So yeah, it was, it was great. A, um, and that's, a great deal. And wasn't that some of the runoff that was the fire that was right by Lake Mendocino? Not only was the runoff potentially going into the Russian River, but also down and then into Lake Mendocino, I believe, too. So that was able to remediate all that water damage that might have happened i believe so congratulations that was really well done and i want to thank all the county officials that made that happen um the other incredible thing and other news is that the last time i had a supervisor on we were still in the middle of the drought talking about drought talking about hauling water to um fort bragg and that whole situation has flopped now or switched we now have had mega rains the creeks are running my spring is back running hallelujah um (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah yeah um so catch us up a little bit with the whole water situation and where we're at with the county that worked it helped well that's interesting um I was interviewed maybe two weeks ago by a reporter from the Washington Post. He came up and did this story, and a rather lengthy story, and he went over to the, to the coast and interviewed people and got that perspective and interviewed me and, and Supervisor McGordy because we're on the ad hoc for the drought task force. And so um, 
you know, he did the story. It came out a couple of days ago. He called me yes, no, Monday, and he said, hey, you know, you guys had this big storm, so is all the drought over? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, the immediate wildfire concerns are over, but really, you know, this is, um, you know, we're facing global climate change and the aridity of our north coast, and so we need to be prepared and continue working to prepare ourselves for what happens next summer or the summer after. You know, and who knows? I told them that the spigot could turn off today, right? Yeah. You know, one storm does not make a drought end. So, so um, you know, the drought task force is still working on these issues of how do we create resiliency for our water um, situation in Mendocino County? And I think there's lots of things that we can do. And, um, you know, as far as storage, catchment systems, you know, um, maybe small ponds, reservoirs, and and also, uh, you know, the conservation aspect of it. So, so we're looking at some of those things. We're, um, we did a grant workshop for the water agencies about a week ago to teach them how to apply for different grants and what grants are available. So we're trying to educate people on, on how to get ready for the next summer. Yeah, well, now the, now's the time when we have to do it. I know we're all taking a big, deep sigh of relief. I am personally. But then I'm also, in the same time, as soon as my roads dry out, I'm looking at setting up new more tanks, getting more storage, because now's when you have to do it, when you've got the water to fill all those storage and tanks and reservoirs and ponds and stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad to see that you guys are still working on this, that the task force is still in place. Um, and I know that one of the things that Glenn McGordy brought up, and I wanted to have you just maybe see if for, talk about a little, just a little bit more if you know anything about, well, when we were in the middle of this drought, everybody was really putting out about a lot of different projects. That's what I'm trying to get at is we had, you discovered that there's a lot of water projects that could be happening in the county if there was the money. Um, is that one of the reasons why we're kind of, you're, you're pushing to get a water agency so you have a way of routing those projects for funding for state and federal money? Is that one of the goals of this water agency you're working with or trying to get informed? Well, certainly, yeah, because we were, we were talking about coordinating the water agencies and how, what's the role of the county. And if we have a county agency kind of looking out for the big picture, you know, just like we did with these trainings, we need to be doing that constantly of helping people, you know, get from where they are to where they need to be and, you know, the grant process and everything like that. You know, just on that front, too, is we were able to get that water flowing from or hauled from Ukiah to Fort Bragg fairly quickly. And and we thought it was going to cost $1.5 million. That's what we put into it. But it actually turns out that we're only spending less than $50,000. Really? And, wow. And that the state, you know, is committed to $2 million of, of um, reimbursements, but we're not going to get there. You know, we've stopped the, like two weeks ago, we stopped the hauling of water from Ukiah to Fort Bragg. Hopefully with this rain, we won't have to do it again. Um, and 
by next summer, the goal is not to do it again ever. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think Fort Bragg has got they've got their new desalination uh, plant in and working at the last last month when they did that at the very end before the rains came. Um, they may be looking at additional storage. So, yeah, hopefully we all got shocked into realizing that we need to be better prepared for the drought, the drought situation potentially not uh, changing. So, um, yeah, keep up the good work on that, would you, John? Because I think it's so important, and I don't – as have because I've watched politics in Mendocino County since 78, I've seen a lot of times where we've dropped the ball and not looked ahead. So I'm really glad to hear that the committee's still going, advisory committee, and you're still looking ahead. Thank you for doing that. Right, and some other things we're looking at, too, is the water extraction issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it became a big issue before this storm about people extracting water from aquifers throughout the county where in the valleys and hauling the water up into the hills. And is that a sustainable model for our county? You know, the road wear and tear, the... the, the um, the amount of pressure it puts on the aquifer when you really don't know exactly what we have. I think the only aquifer we really have good information on is the Ukiah one. It's the current information. And so what happens when we're drawing down some of the aquifers too much? Yeah. So the, the task force is also looking at what can be done about that. You know, do you have the right to extract all the water underneath your land? even though it's connected to your neighbor's water and it could affect their water um, and then sell it off to haul off into the hills. Yeah, I think trucking of water um, ha is and will become a bigger issue in the county if the drought situation continues over time. So that's a whole big discussion. Um, doesn't Laytonville have a pretty good idea of what's going on in their water uh, down in the valley floor? I thought next to Ukiah, I've always thought that uh, Laytonville had a really good concept of what their groundwater situation is. I know you're up in that area. Yeah, yeah I think they do. You know, Jim Shields up there, who's a water manager, does a really great job, and he's got the historical knowledge about what's going on. Yeah. But the last real study is... Over 30 years old, I think. Wow, things but, do change, yeah. But I do think that they, they have a good idea what's happening. Great. Let me just take a moment to say you're listening to KZUX and Z. I'm Karen Audubani. This is the TKO Show. On the This morning on the air with me is John Haschek. He's the 3rd District Supervisor. And we're just uh, hitting a bunch of different topics that are happening in the county, doing some catch-up. And we're going to talk about some other important issues that are coming on. So um, I did want to say, too, that uh, last time I was on the air with Matt Kendall, it was a pledge drive show. And we, as overall, the pledge drive, we didn't meet our goal, folks. And we need to do that to keep keep our budget sound and keeping um, the airwaves open. And these airwaves allow me to bring you the supervisors and the sheriffs so you get to interact with them and hear what's going on. So if you didn't donate or you have an ability to donate more, please go to our website, kzyx.org, and press the Donate button. Or you can send us a check to P.O. Box 1 Philo, uh, 95466, if that works for you. And one of the other things I want to say, too, is that... 
I I know that the word of mouth is so important in Mendocino County. It's like a grapevine. It's the way it goes. And so one of the things I do is I if I have friends that listen to the station. I always say, are you a member? When people ask me about shows I do, I say, well, are you a member? So talk it up, you know, get make sure that your community is supporting this community if you can, because word of mouth is the most effective way for us to increase our listenership and our membership. And it's so important because I um, I really enjoy bringing you these shows, but I can't do it if the airwaves aren't here. So anyway, thanks for that. Taking that minute, John. I just wanted to do that. Um, so the other big thing on my list that I wanted to cover today is the redistricting that's going on. Um, I've got a whole spreadsheet here of the timeline. Uh, what's happened, folks, is every every 10 years when there's a census, uh, the counties and the states have to look at the populations and then see if their district supervisors' lines need to be changed. What happened this year um, is that the information coming out from the census was way delayed, way delayed. And there is this, I don't know, arbitrary, I would say, that's me in my humble opinion, arbitrary date of December, I think it's 15th, when all of this has to be realigned and ready to file with the powers at B. So because we got the census information so late, it has really put a lot of pressure on this whole process to be sped up. So the first committee, the committee wasn't put together until August. The first meeting wasn't even like till September 1st. And this all has to be wrapped up by the 14th of uh, December. So I've been kind of streaming and checking in on the redistricting committee and what they're doing and how they're approaching it. Um, turns out, I'm going to give some numbers out here, uh, turns out that the population in the county has only gone up by 3,783 people in 10 years. Okay, that's the numbers I've got. So that means that the population in Mendocino County from the last census is 91,224 people. Now, if you divide that by five, that works out to be 18,325 people per district would be, if it's equal and you divide that up per district, that's what they're trying to shoot for. So... They've got this committee looking at the maps, working with the lines, changing the lines, trying to decide how they're going to kind of equal out the numbers in the districts. Um, I couldn't actually find a spot where it said what they were before and where they increased. But it seems like the pressure for changing the numbers, getting more people shifted out of and into are the third and fourth district, which just happens to be John's district up there. <laughs> so um, this is all going on now. Um, there are ways that you can get in and give your opinion about where these lines should be. As of the yesterday at the board meeting, they gave an update, a very extensive update about where this committee is at because uh, timeline is that uh, they, they're having a special board meeting on the 18th of this month, or November, excuse me, to approve a map. Um, and then by... The 7th, they're going to introduce the adopted map they're looking at, and then they're going to approve it in the week after that. So that's this is a quick time frame. So if you're interested, you need to go to the county's website, 
punch in redistricting and it'll come up with the place where you can register your opinions and all that kind of stuff and look at the maps also. They're up to, I heard nine maps yesterday, John. I had seen eight online, but they've even updated it. So what the committee has been doing is they started out with the one suggestion and then as community input has come in from various areas as people watching it they've modified the maps to kind of adjust to public opinion and all of that how's that for a synopsis john (laughs) i think i just condensed two months of i think i just condensed two months of work into this um yeah it's it's i mean i do not totally let me just go again in my humble opinion why they had to keep on this quick timeline when the census numbers came out so late of covid i truly do not understand um but there's a lot of federal law that is related around this whole de- redistricting so um if you what i'm going to suggest and maybe john's going to talk about this but this is going to be my personal suggestion to folks that are curious about this and want to know what their district are i am in the middle of the fifth district they're not going to do anything with me personally okay if you were on the edge of one of your districts first second third fifth one you know whatever and you want to know whether your going to be line is going to be moved then i would suggest you go to the website go to the maps and look at it because one of the big issues on the table there haven't been any major line shifts for many many years um because this only happens every 10 years Uh, i think the last biggest shift was many many moons ago i can't remember how many 20 30 years ago uh, Hopland was put into the 5th District, and there is some discussion of moving the lines to get Hopland out of the 5th District and more in line with the, uh, would be 4th District? No, 2nd, uh, 1st first. District, and connect it along the east side of uh, 101 there with, uh, would be Glen McGordy's District. So, there you go, John. That's my summary. Jump in. You saw you were at the meeting yesterday. You've been following it. There's been a lot of discussion about Laytonville and moving from one district to the other. And there you go. I introduced it. Pick it up. All right. Well, All right. That go was for a it. Great summary. You know, part of this was that the state. Well, going back to you know Trump and you know the shenanigans they were doing with the census, and it delayed things. And then the state of California said that you had to include all incarcerated people into your census. And so that, even after we got the initial numbers, we had to wait another month to get the 25, I think, incarcerated people and and add that to the census. So that really has shortened the timeline. And I think it's been at the California Supreme Court about when the deadline is an extension. But the bottom line is that you know, like the third district, my district, has like 19,670-something. And I don't have the numbers right before me, but this is from what I remember. And the fourth district, um, Supervisor Jurdy's district of, you know, Fort Bragg and the north coast and up to Leggett, Piercy, has 16,890-something around there. Anyway, there's a difference of 2,700. That's a percentage difference of almost 15%. And according to the legal precedent that you can only have a deviance of 
from the highest to the lowest. And once you get even 10%, you're on shaky ground legally. And so when you look at that number game, plus trying to preserve communities of interest, then that's what the commission has to deal with. And it's really a, a challenge. And, you know, to do it honestly, I was, I was just listening to NPR about what was happening in Texas. And when you do it dishonestly, you know, it's one thing. But when we're trying to do it the honest way and really represent people, which the commission is doing, um, it's a challenge. And so, you know, the easy thing would be to just shift people from the third to the fourth, bounce that out, because the other, the second, the third, the first, the second, and the fifth are pretty close to the average. So that's not a problem. But when you look at the communities of interest, is that the inland Mendocino has kind of a different interest than a lot of the coast. And so the people in with redrawing the maps, if we were just looking at the numbers, you would have to move Laytonville and all the North County, even up to north of Covalo on Mina Road, and that would go into the 4th District. And do they have much of a community of interest relationship with the Fort Bragg? You know, not really. They feel more affiliated with you know, the northeast section from Willits, Laytonville, Covalo, Bell Springs, that's all one community of interest, it could be argued. Um, and so it's kind of working on those. We had a, a, a public meeting on Thursday of last week in Laytonville. Um, a lot of people showed up and a lot of people were on Zoom and it was a hybrid. So um, a lot of really good in, um, input from that and you know to the credit of the commission there was um, the chair farmer was there and all, uh, on zoom and Mary Zadie who's the third district commissioner um, was there in person and then Lee Farr from the county was on zoom and they listened and then from that we're looking at this map eight which really was um trying to carve out a bigger area around Laytonville, keep that into the third, keep Covalo area in the third, and you know, possibly moving out um, part of Spy Rock and Bell Springs into the fourth. In the mean, and keeping the line from the fourth to the fifth at Russian Gulch, which is where it has been. And then when you look at other parts of the county, when you look at Hopland, what do we do with Hopland? Hopland wants to be in that inland area. And so, you, you know, we're looking at maybe even a map nine, which would be carving out Hopland, putting it into the first district, you know, with Talmadge, with Redwood Valley and, and Potter Valley because of their shared interest. And then pulling out some of northern Ukiah and putting it into the fifth to balance out the numbers. 
Yeah, I, one of the interesting things yesterday at the board meeting, and I don't know if that map is actually on the website, was that uh, Leaf is, what's his name, total name, Leaf? Um, Leaf Farr. Leaf Farr. He's the one who's been doing all the mapping and has worked on these for, I think he said his fourth fourth sense uh, um, redistricting. He actually did a map of watersheds. They actually looked at watersheds and drainages and that, type of thing for um, interest, but the numbers were so lopsided. Um, But it was fascinating to see how lopsided the numbers were by drainages, which is kind of um, communities of interest. Um, One of the things I've always found interesting is that the 5th District, the the 1st District, all come way down into and wrap around the the Ukiah. They come right up to the city limits in Ukiah. And I know um, Mo Mulhern yesterday said something about she'd like to see, you know, the people that around Ukiah really, you know, that's that's their community of interest is the Ukiah Valley. But there's just no way without lopsiding the numbers tremendously to even incorporate more of the surrounding Ukiah area into her district. So, yeah, this having to stay within 10% and having to make the districts within 10% of the average um, really has forced us as a county to, um, yeah, make it not so much so of community of interest is what i'm trying to say so i don't know how you get around that it's always been an issue it continues to be an issue and i'm afraid it's going to continue to be an issue um one of the other comments i saw interestingly enough was that it seems like the fort bragg area is a real grow has a lot of growth potential of all the communities in the area ukiah valley and fort bragg are the communities that are really growing and possibly Laytonville too I think Laytonville your area seems to be growing quite a bit from the last census too so and I don't know how you put that into this whether you make the fourth district that includes Fort Bragg a little bit lighter on the numbers this year anticipating in the next 10 years there are going to be more growth there you know what I'm saying I'm how you balance that all out is really difficult really difficult so right that's another layer of this complexity is <laughs> yeah forecasting what might happen in the future yeah and and i have to say folks i know the whole concept of loading up different areas you know trying to date like just taking the whole ukiah valley and making it the second district for mo Mullerhorn, that's a great concept and we don't i don't see any jerry-rigging going on in mendocino county okay just up front and, and But in other states and other areas, I've seen districts that make no sense and they look like, you know, snakes coming back on themselves. Ours are much more blocked out. So I know there's probably less chance of gerrymandering here and the laws are built or made to pre- prevent that. But boy, it sure makes it complicated. <laughs> How's that, folks? <laughs> it well, just makes well, it complicated. I- Karen, what you said earlier was that the commission really is trying to to listen to what the people are saying and take that into consideration and draw these maps. And that's why we're at the eighth or ninth iteration of this. And um, and I think that that's a the healthy democratic process in action. 
and we'll see you know hopefully that the when the commission does come up with their final recommendation or there might be a couple ref- different maps that the board responds positively to that and yeah. all indications was from our discussion yesterday there was kind of agreement to to what we were looking at as far as the eighth or ninth iteration yeah i mean i looked through all the i looked at through all the maps there were some that looked better than others just for me looking at them as being okay you're not going to upset as much of the population by doing these minor changes rather than doing a big change right now um I did want to let the listeners know that uh, as we're talking about this, this afternoon, is it at, uh, what time is it at? Let's see, today, see they had a meeting, yesterday they did the presentation before the board, and uh, tonight at 6.15 you can go to YouTube or yeah, YouTube's a good place to find it. It's the Advisory Redistrict Commission, and they're having a public workshop. That's happening this evening at 6.15 if you want to get in and stream it and see what's going on. Um, the To give out the website information on how you get to this is just long and convoluted, and I don't want to mess everybody up. So if you want to see these maps and stuff, just go to the county's website and just, you know, put in redistricting and i think that'll take you directly to it that's probably the easiest way right for people to get involved john that i know yeah i think so or google mendocino county redistricting yeah that that's a good one that's what that's what actually what i did i didn't go to the website i just googled it and then pushed on it but yeah take the time if you're on like i said if you're in these areas where you're on the line or you're in an area where you think you might be adjusted out and you want to get your opinion out there, get a, you know, a comment, um, please take the time to do that because this is on a really fast deadline and we have no options not to do it this fast, unfortunately. So, um, any other comments about that, John? No, I just, I, I appreciate, um, people making comments to the commission and the, the commission being responsive. You know, these are people who are putting in lots of hours looking over the, this data and drawing maps and trying to be responsive. So I really, I'm encouraged and optimistic about this process. Yeah, it, it's been a fast process. I hope the board takes and is, um, you know, aware of all the concerns and stuff. And the other thing is, is if you have a concern and you want to just go directly, you can always get a hold of your supervisors, email them, text them, whatever you need to do, and give them input on it too. Uh, but if you get it to the committee, it may give them some ideas about what uh, communities want so they can do map number 10. It will be interesting to see how many maps they actually come up with, but they're doing a great job with the mapping and getting the information out. Um, it's, you know, we've come so far in 10 years <laughs> with our online abilities to do these Zoom meetings so I can watch them at home in the middle of nowhere, so I can go and get a lot more paperwork on it and research it. Um, the transparency has really been up, let me just say. Transparency has really been good. So, um, again, you're listening to Casey Wax and Z. I'm Karen Adabani. On the air with me is John Haschak. He is with a, he is a third district supervisor, and we just had a fascinating discussion about redistricting and what's going on with the county. Um, again, just to let you guys know, ninety one thousand. What is that? Ninety one thousand six hundred and twenty four people in the county on the census. That's what it says. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to ask you to clarify for me is I saw 
because it's not my genre. I don't usually go into the, you know, health and human services part of the county. That's just not something that I even want to venture into. Um, but there was this huge grant that we got, a half a million dollars for healthcare workers. I wasn't real clear on the concept. Could you, you were really involved with getting that money into the county. That's a big chunk of money and it sounds like it can really move this this um this uh, or- organization along could you um catch us up on that and explain it what happened well that was a a grant that the health and human services had applied for quite a while ago uh, over a year ago i think maybe 2 years and so they're waiting for it they got a $500,000 grant to expand their community health worker program um and so this is outreach into the communities and and so I wasn't really a part of that, but, you know, there's a lot of, um, it's a very uh, worthwhile program in that it's going directly to people, reaching out, go, doing home visits, and uh, reaching people where they are, people from the community. And so so this is the, you know, the, all the data shows that this is a real effective way to to create better health in the communities. And I'm I'm optimistic about that program. In the meantime, I've been working on this community health worker program with the rural health clinics, the diversity, equity, and inclusion group, um, and the Adventist health system. You know, a lot of the um, consolidated health and the Indian tribe health centers so it's a great group of people we were going to present at the board meeting in november i mean december december 7th i think um and the idea is is we started this promotores de salud program in willits as a pilot program to deal with the covid and get information out about testing and then about vaccinations okay it's been very successful in getting that word out and lowering the numbers of people in the Hispanic community infected by COVID. And so, so what we're looking at is this community health worker approach where you can take people from all the different communities of our county that are normally unrepresented, misrepresented, and, and have outreach to them, have people who might not have a real formal education, but they can be trained to be these health workers, outreach workers, and, and then with training and a career track, they can be, become the new LVNs, RNs of the future, medical assistants, psych techs, you know, so, and it would, they'd be working on a much more global um, health, you know, view than just the, the COVID. So they'd be looking at mental health. They'd be looking at addiction, alcohol abuse, you know, and a lot of those issues in the community that, um, unfortunately, Mendocino County is very high, you know, in the scale of, you know, bad statistics. And so we're looking at that program. We're looking at using that um, the American Rescue Plan Act money for it to fund it. And we'd like to see... You know, all the rural health community or health centers, you know, have a at least one person doing this community outreach, home visits, um, 
And I think that that will create a much more healthy um, community where people feel really connected and are able to access the, you know, what they need as far as health. And where where's this training going to happen? Does that happen at our local community college, or is that on-site training? How how does that help? Well, there's a couple different models. You know, one model would be people coming into a central location and being trained and um, having that connection and networking, and the other would be a more diverse, you know, dispersed kind of model of getting the training in their health centers. But the idea is also to to create career paths for these people. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the things I've been trying to stress on the air of late is that we need more um, the schools and the, the colleges and the schools, the vocational. We need to get people staying here in the labor force and train for the needs of our communities, like electricians, plumbers, carpenters, mechanics, um, deputy sheriffs, you know, that kind of stuff, and nurses. You know, we need all the all these um, all these uh, occupations that we need in the county. We need to have places where people can train and stay in our community. That's what I'm. And I, this sounds like a really great idea to help move the communities along and train people within the communities to do it. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I'm proud of is that we started this program for EMTs and paramedics at Mendocino College. It's just started this fall. I was working with the college very closely on it. And, and you know, when we started the program, we had 24 slots. Well, we instantly had 36 applicants. Wow. That's <laughs> we had a great. Waiting list. I went there the first day when it opened, and there were just people standing in the back row waiting to, you know, hoping to get in. So there's a real need for that in our community. And I think that this other... The community health worker is another part of that. You know, I've been working with Senator McGuire on increasing our um, ability to provide these kind of technical classes, career training, you know, at the college, too. Oh, great. That's good to hear. I mean, this is that this is what's really this is the kind of things we need to focus on for the future of Mendocino County, because um, be honest, our population is aging out. <laughs> I can. Uh-oh. I will testify that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, like I said, all the people that got here in the seventies and eighties and are back in the hills doing their thing are now all turning seventy and eighty. So, yeah, I mean, and they're, you know, people are retiring out of these professions. Um, look at the county. Look at the turnover in the county at the department heads. We just had another department head retire, semi-retire, head of human resources. Uh, William Schertz, is it? Right. He's just, he's leaving, and that's a key position. And we have a lot of people that have been in our county, you know, positions for 20, 30 years, and they're going to start retiring out, and we need to bring in new blood. So any of these programs and any of this money coming in from states and fed and you working with, you know, the state officials to get us, you know, replenishing our um, employment pool, I guess is what you call it. I don't, you know, we just, we... We got to do it. It's got to happen. If we're going to maintain the quality of life, I think that we all moved here for. There you go. That's my spiel. <laughs> well, yeah. And my history of being from public education is I really believe that yeah. education is the key to 
to doing well in this life. Oh, yeah. I yelled and screamed vehemently on the air when they took all the vocational training out of the high schools and the stuff in the county. I mean, we used to have a lot more vocational training and workshops and, you know, drafting and all of that in our schools, let alone the arts and music. But that's a whole other story. We could go on forever, couldn't we, John? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> since you were in the school systems forever so anyway all right folks um i think i'm gonna uh one so any other t- well before i open up the phone lines i will give us a few minutes of uh, phone lines uh for just a few questions but uh third district issues going on i know you guys you guys are way out there in the third district you got covalo you got Laytonville, you got spy rock you got all those rural communities um what's going on anything special happening in your district up there you'd like to get out to people and let them know Well, one thing is I was working with Senator McGuire and we did get an additional $600,000 for um, code enforcement, law enforcement to deal with the worst of the worst cannabis grows. And so, you know, hopefully that will have an impact. And I think that um, Sheriff Kendall thinks it will. Um, and Humboldt also got 600000 and Trinity County got 300000 And it's really to, to provide for that extra support that the sheriff's departments need to, to combat, combat some of these egregious environmental you know, damage being done you know, when the fisheries are being affected and also you know, cartel grows. So yeah. those are the... Well, overall pollutions. And not only that, the crime it's brought. And didn't they just find another dead body up in Covalo, I believe? I mean, I have to say it's been pretty appalling, the violence that's gone up there this last year and a half or two years. So Right. So, yeah. so I'm proud of that support. You know, the, the cannabis referendum, you know, the supervisors finally backed off on that, the new cannabis ordinance. So I think that was a a wise move on their part and the deal is now we just need to make sure that we can get the people who are in the system through the system and then create a pathway you know we have a pathway for new grows coming on but you know we've got all this money from the state coming in with this equity grant with this local jurist we've got three million dollars in the equity grant we've got 18 million dollars for this local jurisdiction assistance program to help people get from their provisional licenses to their annual licenses. So we've got the money. It's really on us to make sure that the people have this pathway to, to legalization. All right. Well, I'm going to do a, a little mini rant, a little mini KO rant. Um, and I told John I was going to do this. I try, I desperately stay away from the whole cannabis legalization thing because I watch it, I hear what's going on at the supervisors meetings, but I've focused on the um, enforcement part of keeping you know the, the bad characters out. Um, I think it's great that everybody's trying to get legal. I think it's a total cluster, you know what, uh, from the state down to the county. So here's my little rant. Um, 
I am really disappointed, not in you, John, because you've been pushing it, that we do not have a a cannabis advisory committee to help this process. I listen to the same people every supervisor's meeting get on, very knowledgeable people that are involved with these big cannabis organizations talking about how difficult the process is. I've heard about how difficult the process is. I've heard about all the ins and outs of why it's not working and all of this, but there is no advisory committee to help the supervisors and to help this process. You've got one woman, Kirsten, um, who's in charge of the process. She is overwhelmed with trying to make this all happen. Plus, there's $18 million that could go to help our community. And all I see is this process being stalled and being, you know, not mismanaged, but just not having enough people to manage it. To the point where John has tried to get an advisory committee, the cannabis organizations have tried to get an, uh, the board of supervisors set up an advisory committee. There is, I do not understand resistance. And the, um, the other, that, yeah, so there's this resistance to that. To the point where yesterday at the board meeting, the head of the cannabis project, Kirsten, had to give her report in public comment. <laughs> All right. She didn't even have a slot on the supervisor's meeting. She, I guess she has one next time, but she actually gave a report in the public expression. All right. That's my mini rant. <laughs> Jump in, John, because well, um, I, I think it's, you're just, right. it's just a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Kind of the irony is that when the program managed, cannabis program manager did give her report in public expression, <laughs> And then we tried to discuss some of the issues brought up. County Council says, well, you can't talk about it because it's public expression and, and you need an agenda item. Well, you know, <laughs> just... every meeting we're, we're spending probably at least an hour on these kind of topics that we really can't even discuss and about cannabis. And so I think for efficiency's sake, you know, let's just have a standing committee or an ad hoc working on these issues and having them fully fleshed out before it gets brought to the board where you can get get action taken. Yeah, I, I just don't, it, I don't know, and maybe you know this, is there at some point where we lose that $18 million if we don't get it distributed to people who need it to get through this cumbersome and overly ridiculous process? Is there a place where we lose it, a date? Well, we have to submit the application first. Oh, we have- and we got to tell the state what we're applying for. And I had a meeting with a town hall with the cannabis program. Plus, there's probably 60 people who called in for it just the other week. And that was the only input we've had into what this program is going to look like. $18 million, that's a lot of, that's um, more than chump change. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a. I mean, look what we were able to do with the twenty-one million with the PG&E money. I mean, just think of how effective that would be to moving this terribly burdensome project along. So anyway, all right, that's my little rant. I'm um, we're only going to have time for a couple of questions. Eight nine five two four four eight. Please have a good question, succinct, because I would like to get a couple in. Eight nine five two four four eight for John Haschek, third district supervisor. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it you've been doing a lot of 
lot of work on the board docket. A lot. Your your meetings are pretty well overwhelming. Yesterday was a rather short meeting. You got out by four-ish. Um, and you have very limited meetings coming up in the next months because of the holidays schedules. And you've got a lot to do. So what are you focused on personally right now? Well, I think that, um, you know, the... I think the water agency and this drought task force is still a top priority. And also all the cannabis things are, are huge, you know, because we've got all these timelines. We've got the portal closing. We've got the, um, these grant applications that have to be submitted. So those are big issues. Um, we're also looking at, oh, you know, energy efficiency, yeah. And, you know, we committed $2 million to putting solar panels on the appropriate county buildings. And so so there's a lot of things happening right now. I'm working with, the, you know, the wildlife services contract that we terminated. And so it's how to create a new model for, for dealing with the skunks and the raccoons that get under your house or the, those kind of issues. Or... You know, the mountain lions or bears that are ravaging, you know, yeah. whatever, doing what they do. So so that's been a, um, a focus, too. And I think um, putting animal care and animal control under one housing and then creating this non-lethal exclusionary service is another part of that. And so we're I'm working with Supervisor McGordy on that and Rich Molinari from you know, Animal Care and and so there's a lot of good good ideas out there. Great. Okay, we got a caller. We're going to take the caller, make your question or comment succinct, please. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Uh, hello. Thank you for so much for having me. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm from Laytonville, 3rd District, up actually on Bell Springs Road. Um, and we have a water truck. Uh, we were wondering if anybody's going to put on further restrictions for water truck owners this year. We bought a water truck for 100000 and, um, you know, Board of Supervisors, everybody seems to be going after water trucks for hauling water like it's something illegal, but um, it seems to be ridiculous. Also, um, the the uh, all water is connected, rivers, lakes, streams, everything is connected, so when they're talking about pulling water, from the ground they're actually talking about pulling it from the rain and the air and everything else because that's where it comes from the sky so when they say water rights for water valleys and this and that i know when somebody said even he said it right there that water is connected to your neighbor when you start pulling water it connects to your neighbor which connects to a stream which connects to the hilltop which falls downhill and goes down 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 so everything is connected and so I think people are misunderstood on that because a lot of people live inside and they just turn on a faucet and it comes out the pipe. So they don't understand the, um, the reality on that. Um, also, cannabis, the $18 million to the $21 million PG&E funds, I'm thankful that you mentioned that. Um, it's an astronomical amount of money, and they need to be doing more something more about it. I'm definitely going to be getting into the supervisor's ear, and we're going to be figuring out some situations and some committees, committees to handle this. All right. Thank you so much for talking about all these issues, and uh, we just need to keep on the throttle. All right. Thank you. And I've always said it, you know, um, when you just turn on a faucet and you don't know where your water comes from, it's really a sad thing. Kind of like where you flip on your lights and you don't know where it comes from. 
So, yeah, there you go. Um, John, uh, the whole thing with water and trucking, um, that's a state water issue. I, does the county actually have any control over that? I, through the discussions, I was never really clear if you could do an ordinance, can you restrict it, or if you got if that's like way above our pay grade. No, I, I think Brandon had some good points there, and and we are looking at what they're doing over in Tehama County. I think that they have um, used the land use process for controlling the amount of water. That are that's being shipped out of a person's. So if you have a well on your land that the county does have the right to kind of control if it's being hauled off. Okay, so we're looking at some of those issues. Certainly, like in Brandon's case, there's legal use of water, and there's you know a myriad reasons why water gets hauled around this county. So, so we're just looking at, you know, what are the legitimate uses? And then also, you know, is it being hauled to illegal, non-permitted grows? And I think there's a line there that we need to be looking at. So I think the county does have a role in this. So, okay, good. Well, that's good to know. I, yeah, it, you know, water is a real touchy issue with personal property rights and i'm very much on the personal property rights issue myself but i also understand that when you've got smaller parcels in in touch with each other and they're on one aquifer that you kind of have to collaborate and coordinate so it's going to be a fascinating discussion that i will watch closely folks 895-2448 if somebody wants to get in a question or a comment to john Hescheck, we're coming up against the hour um and yeah so many good topics on the on on today to discover but the okay let's get a caller in let's let's see if we can do this real quick john good morning caller you're on the air you need to turn your radio down it's down uh Anyway, this is John from Covalo, and I know all of the problems and deaths in Covalo. It's terrible. I've been trying to uh, put together a vocational training because I think that's the key uh, to making, uh, you know, educating these young people. Uh, Wood is one of our most valuable resources, and there's so much wood in the forest, and it's all the small diameter stuff, but that's what I've been making everything from cradle to coffin out of small diameter wood, and it's beautiful and it's oh, it's wonderful. But <laughs> on the cannabis issue, you know, my dad was in the poultry business in 1954. Uh, the corporations came in and took took over the egg business, really, and that's what's happening in the cannabis business. In another two years. You won't be able to even grow it for what you can sell it for. Yep. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for your... That's what's happening, All right. folks. Thanks for your comments. Okay. Okay. Wrap it All up. right. You're okay. welcome. Bye. All right. Hey, John, thanks for coming on. Um, what What are the issues? So you're going to be listening in on the redistricting meeting this afternoon, I bet. Um, right. I've, you're taking you're taking input, I believe, from your community up there and what's going on, Correct. Yes, yes. And if they could go directly to the redistricting commission to get that word in, too, that that helps out. 
Yeah, but that's going to help you. Yeah. So I'm not Anywhere sure. Anywhere around the county. Yeah, and I'm and so folks, this is going to be coming down fast. This is going to be pretty much done by the the end of November. So if you want to get in and look on that, do that now. Um, and then the other thing I heard, just a big quick flash out to, I heard Covalo got two new uh, cell towers. So sounds like people are more in contact up there. Right. That was a project I worked with um, Senator McGuire and also Sheriff Kendall. The county was great on it. The Indian tribes of Covalo were great. Um, and so we worked with making sure that U.S. Cellular provided the service that they were committed to. Great. So, yeah, getting um, getting more broadband and getting more connectivity throughout the county, I think, is a really big issue for all of us to stay in touch. All right. Any final comment? Because we're going to wrap up here real quick pretty soon. Well, I appreciate being on the show and I look for, you know, anyone can contact me at hashtag at MendocinoCounty.org or 707-972-4214. Right. Keep up the good work at KZYX. Thank you. And I will, I tell you, I look forward to when we get the chambers backed open and we can see you guys in person. Just a plug. Yeah. <laughs> Just a plug. All right. Thanks so okay. much, John, for coming Have on. Have a great day. And, yeah, keep up the good work and I'll be in touch with you, I'm sure. Thanks so much. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.